Our scripture that was read earlier came from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter, and the reading was from the 22nd through to the 32nd verses. But allow me to lift up just the 32nd verse, which reads as follows. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. I'll read that one more time. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. I want you to consider with me the following for a few moments. There is nothing more powerful than an idea. There is nothing more powerful than an idea. And ideas lead to thoughts. And thoughts lead to concepts. Ideas lead to thoughts, and thoughts lead to concepts. And there is nothing more powerful than an idea. <laughs> concepts are how you and I understand the world around us. As an example, the concept of flight allows us to understand the nature of flying. The concept of flight. Human communication is entirely and solely dependent on concepts. So if your ideas are wrong, then your thoughts are wrong, and so your concepts are wrong. An error in concepts is what we all call misconceptions. Misconceptions are a result of faulty thoughts and faulty ideas. The original concept of anything is always in the mind of the sender. Anything that people are telling you, whether you want to believe it or not, is some kind of concept that originated in the mind of the sender. An original idea, which I said before, is the most important thing and powerful thing. An original idea is called a precept. Precept. And the heart of understanding anything at all in this world begins with precepts and concepts. A precept is an original idea. And ideas are the most powerful things in the world. I'm going through all of this because I want you to understand that my brothers and my sisters, you are in this room you are listening to a preacher because you may have accepted some original ideas and some precepts that have allowed you to understand a few concepts. Yeah. 
And without your understanding of these precepts and these concepts, right, you, they, you may fall into misconception. And if you fall into misconception, then chances are you're doing things you have no business doing. An example of a precept, which is an original idea. It doesn't come from anywhere else. This is the original idea. An example of a precept is this statement. God is. Full stop. God is. That's a precept. It's a precept that if you accept it, then you have now the foundation for everything that follows that statement. God is. If you don't believe that God is, then you don't believe that precept, then you don't believe any thoughts associated with God, and you don't believe any concepts of God. Therefore, therefore, your thoughts around God, as far as the church is concerned, is a misconception. You don't know that God is because you have not accepted the precept. God is. And because of those, for those of us who accept that precept that God is, we understand then from that statement that God is self-existent, God is self-sufficient, God is all-knowing, and God is all-powerful. And if you don't accept that God is, none of what I just said made, it makes any sense to you. You are not willing to accept anything about God. And brothers and sisters, this has serious implications. Because when you are in trouble and you're calling upon God, for God to do something in your life, and you have not accepted that God is, then you just might think that your problem is bigger than God. Because I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God is self-sufficient. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is self-existent. God is. End of story. The atheists can tell you anything they want. But there is something deep down inside of me that makes me accept the precept that leads to the concept that God is my God. So if we accept the precept that God is, then we are able to accept the concept that God is king. God is king. And if he is king, then we have to also accept the concept that God, as king, has a kingdom. Mm -hmm. He's got a kingdom. And again, if you don't believe or accept what I'm saying to you, then, then, then you're already in misconception of this particular concept. Now, I'm not judging you. I'm just simply saying that you have free will and a choice to accept what I'm telling you or not. So if we look back at the text that I read, 32nd verse in chapter 12, it states this. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I just read that one statement, which I'm saying to you doesn't mean anything at all if you don't accept that God is 
king and that God has a kingdom. Because if you don't know anything about God and you don't care anything about God, then brothers and sisters, you could care less about any kingdom. And so when God is telling you, do not worry, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you don't believe in a kingdom, then you are not looking for anything and you have every reason to be worried. So I want to latch on to this 32nd verse. Your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And with this in mind, I want to preach a message titled, quite simply, the king I am. The king I am. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord, for now this preaching hour. Lord, the sermon has already started off academically. And there are people, Lord, who may already have fallen into confusion. And so, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be acceptable to the point where your people can hear you and not me. These are difficult things that I speak of, but you have made these things easy to be understood by children. So Lord, give us today childlike faith that our ears may be open to what thus saith the Lord. This is our humble prayer. For we pray it in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. I have, on multiple occasions, made it clear to you as a church community that Jesus' ministry here on earth had a principal focus. And Jesus' principal focus, if you read the Bible, is always that he was bringing good news about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and he rose out of the water, the first thing that Jesus said was what? Repent for what? Behold, the kingdom has now come at hand. So everything that Jesus did was about the kingdom of God. Every single miracle that Jesus performed was about the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, every time he spoke, every miracle, everything that Jesus did was about the kingdom of God. And his principal focus was to let all those who heard him, right, come to believing that the kingdom was real. So I wonder how the people back in Jesus' day understood this idea of the kingdom. What were they actually hearing? Because we now in this 21st century and with all of our modern technology, we have a different understanding of what the kingdom might be, perhaps from what they understood it to be. So I was curious to know, how do those people understand the kingdom of God? This idea of the kingdom of God, this concept, this precept and concept of the kingdom of God, what is it really all about? Now, if you are unsure or confused about the kingdom of God, then you do not need to worry because people much smarter than you and me, theologians and scholars, have been wrestling with this for centuries. So we are in really good company because when Jesus spoke of the kingdom, just as it was back then to just as it is now, it can be a little confusing. Historically, Christian theologians have either misinterpreted the meaning of the kingdom or simply latched on to the parts of the kingdom that they liked. 
And when you read the Bible, Jesus gives, gives so many different examples of what the kingdom might be. If you read these parables, sometimes the kingdom of heaven, what is it? It's righteousness and it's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does that even mean? The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. What does that even mean? To make matters worse, Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is an inheritance. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is a, a, a present realm and a reality. Okay. The kingdom of, of heaven is a future distant place. For in my father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. So this idea of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is confusing to a lot of people because he tells you what, well, let me explain the kingdom. If you have a grain of a mustard seed and you plant it, I'm like, what are you talking about, Jesus? What is this kingdom of God that you are talking about? So I submit to you that the kingdom of God is all of it. Everything that Jesus says it is or what it represents or what it could be, that's the kingdom of God. Okay, that doesn't help, Pastor. God is sovereign. And in his supreme rulership, God has established authority over every single aspect of your life and mine. And those aspects that God has sovereign control over is not limited to where you live, where you work, who you love, where you marry, or even how you feel. The kingdom of God has the ability to reach every single area of your life and it can be affected and impacted by God's work. So what is the kingdom of God? It is you living a life and an attitude that reflects not what you do, but who you belong to. You see, when, 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 you are, when you are from royalty, you walk a certain way, do you not? You, you, you know people who, who don't have a lot. And when they come into the presence of people who have a lot, the first thing they do is what? They, they, they shrink down. That's the kingdom. The kingdom is a recognition that something here is not for me. But when you are in the kingdom of heaven, you walk anywhere and everything is for you. Because in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. You see, Jesus came in and he said, wait a second. Let me show you what the kingdom of God is like. You, 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 you're blind? You're blind? Eyes be opened. You're lame? For how long? 38 years? Rise, take up your bed and walk. Here's my favorite. You're dead? Arise! You see, because Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So, so, so if you are not in abundance, and I'm not talking about money, then chances are, you're living below your means. For you do not know who your father really is. The world seems to be falling apart rapidly. Things are, if you watch the news long enough, you will quickly become depressed. Because things are falling apart rapidly. Brothers and sisters, stay with me. We're going somewhere. 
Something is different. Because the, more, the smarter we get with technology is the more distant we are from each other. The more our relationships become fragmented, the more advanced we get in technology. So it's almost as if we're getting to the place where, here it is, maybe we're too smart and we no longer need God. And if I no longer need God, then I no longer need you. I no longer need you. Something is going on in our world where we believe that we are working towards so much self-sufficiency that our dependence and our co-collaboration with each other is seemingly less and less important. Mm. If I can pull myself into isolation where I have everything that I need and I don't need you anymore, I no longer need God and I will have become a God unto myself. And my brothers and my sisters, as I said before, and I will say it again, be very careful when you find yourself being pulled into isolation. For the devil does his best work when you don't have the saints holding you accountable. But somewhere in the midst of all of this struggle, this tragedy, this pain, we as Christians are often deluded into thinking that we should have some kind of special privilege because we are in the kingdom. Well. Because I'm a Christian, I should have certain things and I shouldn't have to suffer anymore. We are deluded into that thinking. And I use the term deluded because I want to know where it came from. Somebody has made us believe that because we are in Christ, we are not supposed to suffer. Again, remember what I told you, an idea is one of the most powerful things in the world. And if you have an idea in your head that tells you that, oh, because you are a Christian, you shouldn't be suffering, that's going to lead to a thought that's going to make you, that's going to bring you into a concept that tells you that I should be better. See? That's how it works. And when you feel that way, and, it's not, and your lifestyle is inconsistent with what you think you should be experiencing, you don't blame others, you blame God. That right there, my brothers and sisters, is the reason why so many of us Christians live in the place of discontentment. We are disappointed in a God because what we think we believe we know about God is not manifesting itself in our lives. I am struggling. I am fighting. I can't find peace in my life, yet I'm still crying out to a God that is invisible and is deaf to me. Something is wrong with your concept of God. Because God never promised any of us that life would be easy. As a matter of fact, look at Jesus' life. And I can tell you that there was nothing easy about the heir to the throne himself. Because if the cross was his destiny, what then is yours and mine? See, we, 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 we tend to believe a lot of what people are telling us and filling us with ideas and thoughts that are misconceptions about the kingdom of God. Listen, if you send $100, you're going to get a thousand misconceptions. If you are working and you believe in God and you come to church faithfully and you serve this God and you come here day after day, then you're going to have your best life that every day is going to feel like a Friday misconception. I don't care how many people are in your churches and how popular your churches may be. We are lying to the saints. 
when we tell them that God promised everyone an easy life yes you will have trouble yes you may have some good days but brothers and sisters maybe my good days may outlast my bad days but I'll have bad days nonetheless as Christians we need to grow up and to mature and to stop looking for things to be easy just because we say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. The more you praise the Lord and the more you hallelujah is the more you become a target for the enemy of your soul. So if you're living a life, your best life, an easy life, a wonderful life, maybe the devil is thinking to himself, you are no threat to me. And when you are no threat to the devil, he won't bother you. But the minute you decide, you know what? I'm going to really make this commitment to the Lord. I'm really going to put aside all of my own desires. I'm going to put myself out there for the benefit of others. Brothers and my sisters, <laughs> that's the moment when you get that crosshair on your back. And that's the moment when the devil throws everything at you. Because right now you are in the place where God now can work with you. I'm not telling you anything that I've not experienced in my life. It costs to serve him. Amen. It costs to serve him. And Jesus paid a price so that the cost to us is not as painful as it should be. Because Jesus paid it all. So, the reason why many of us are deluded is because, and this is a good part, in our hearts, we know that this is not the way that things are supposed to be. This is not the way. This can't possibly be the way that God intended his world to be. We know that in our hearts. In our hearts, we know that there has to be something more than what we're experiencing. We have that in our hearts. We can feel it in our hearts. We know in our hearts, for those of us who are believers, that God is. We've accepted that concept that God is, and we cannot deny it. We have in our hearts this idea of the eternal. Paul tells us that we have eternity built in our hearts. So we know that when we die, that's not the end of the story. We, know, we can't prove it, but we, but we know it. But we also have in our hearts a desire, a strong desire for power and control. Every one of us have this strong desire to have power and control. It's not a bad thing, brothers and sisters, because you were created with that. God created us in the very, very beginning to have what? Dominion over all things. That didn't go away when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. We still wanted dominion, and every single day of our lives is lived and built around trying to have dominion. I want to I wanna have more money so that I can have dominion over my life and not be, be, and not be held to the mercy of the IRS. We are living our lives in such a way that we want to have all of our needs met so that we have enough control over our lives. That power and dominion desire did not leave us. And this lack of control in our daily lives, our situations, and our circumstances are pushing us towards the need for something greater. I'm talking to a hunger in your souls and in your spirits. If you ever want to know what it is that you are longing for, look 
at your needs. Let me give you an example. If you are thirsty, you have a need for water. If you are naked, you have a need for clothing. Are you with me? If you are hungry, you have a need for food. And if you are tired, you have a need for rest. So if you know what it is that you are experiencing, it is a clue to what it is that you need. So if you have this strong desire for dominion and power, it's because you are longing for something that will give you the control that you need. Are you tracking with me? But this need came from somewhere. And as I said to you before, I want, you to, I want to prove it to you. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So in your heart, you have a strong desire to fulfill the mandate that God gave you from the very beginning, which is a concept that I want you all to accept. You were made to have dominion. So remember, the precept was God is. Remember, the concept was that God is king. And now what I'm telling you is that there's another concept that says you were made to have dominion. So, so all of this now is coming together and it's starting to, to form, but we're not quite there yet. So I went through all of that to prove to you that the first idea... The original idea is a precept that God is and that he exists. You have in your head now the concept that God is king. Concept, right? <laughs> and because you've accepted that God is king and you're able to accept that God is, he has a kingdom, then, then you now have this third concept that says I have to have dominion and power. All of these, as complicated as it may seem, stay with me, is really getting to the point that there is more to you than you know. God created the heavens and the earth. God created every single one of us. God has made you in his own image, and he gave you something that he has not given to even angels. He has given you the reason to have power and dominion and authority over the things that he wants you to have dominion and authority over. So the question is, am I moving and am I having this dominion where God wants me to have it? Or am I allowing everyone else to tell me what I should be having dominion over. Brothers and sisters, stay with me. Because the things that we are longing for in this world might not be the things that God wanted for you. We are chasing everything else but what God has asked us to do. He gave us dominion for a reason. But all that we're chasing now is the things that the world is telling us is important. The things that the world is telling us are, are valuable. And we are chasing the world's ways and being distracted by the things that God would have us do. So because we, the world says, <laughs> let me make it plain. You want me to make it plain, Reverend? Go ahead, preacher. We are chasing a big house. Mm. We're chasing a nice car. We're chasing money and wealth. 
We're chasing women that we believe is the epitome of what beauty looks like. Because the world is telling us all these things. We're, we're chasing political parties and affiliations. We're chasing this and we're chasing that. We're chasing so many things. Because the world tells us that if we have these things, we will have the power and the authority, the dominion and the satisfaction for the longing in our souls. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we don't have those things. And because we don't have those things, what do we end up doing? We worry. Well. We worry because we don't have the kind of car we want. We worry because we don't eat the kinds of foods we want to eat. We worry because we don't have the kind of education we want. We worry because we, we don't have the kind of spouse that we want. We worry because our children don't behave the way we want them to. We worry because we don't have the kind of job that we want. We worry because we need a better boss who would understand me. We worry, we worry, we worry, we worry, we worry about chasing things that God never said in his word we needed to go after. I didn't read anywhere in Genesis where it said, and the Lord God formed the man and the woman, and he gave them dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and the Lamborghini, the Tesla, and the, I didn't read anywhere of that in the scriptures. But we chase it. And when we don't have it, we worry. So I went through all of this to go back to what the 32nd verse says. What did it say? Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Gladly. If my parents chose gladly to give me anything, Here's what I know to be true, and my brother can attest to it. We're going to get it. If my parents chose gladly to give me something, I'm going to get it. If you as parents choose gladly to give your children food, they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any doubt whether or not they're going to get what you have gladly chosen to give them. So if the scriptures are telling me that my father in heaven, he, he has chosen gladly to give me the kingdom, I'm going to get it. Because we who, who even give, think that we're giving good gifts and are not even giving really good gifts, how much more your father in heaven who created you, fashioned you in his image is going to give you do you have any idea what that little verse that I just read means? Let me read it again because I don't know if you got it. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has chosen to gladly to give you the kingdom. Listen, this is who your father is. Because you clearly don't know. He's Elohim. Creator of heaven and earth. Mighty and strong. That's your father. He, he, he is El Ilion. El Ilion. The Lord Most High. That's your father. He, he, he is El Shaddai. 
the Lord mighty and strong over things that you see and the things that you do not see. That's your father. He, he is Jehovah Jireh, provider of all. That's your father. He, he, he is Jehovah Rapha. Tell them, Sister Norma and Brother Jesse, the God who heals. That's your father. He is Jehovah Nisi, the banner that goes before you in battle. That's your father, Walter. He, he is Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord, your righteousness, which means that even when you are messing up, he covers you. That's your father. He, he, he is Jehovah Mekadesh, the one who sanctifies. So, so, so when you are in those places where you, don't, where you feel less than, where, where guilt and shame makes you feel like you don't belong when God has put you in courts of kings, <laughs> that's your father. He is Jehovah Shalom. In the moment when your hearts are troubled, let not your hearts be troubled. He is your peace. That's your father. And last but not least, he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, which means that he's got an army that no one can count. So when you think that that little boss or that little person or even that little imp or demon that is gnawing at you and annoying you and you think that that's the end of your world, look to the hills. From whence cometh my help? For my help comes from the Lord. May God open your spiritual eyes that you may see that there are more that are for you than those that are against you. You're not a little nobody. You just need to believe the concept. You're not just here on this world taking up space. You just need to believe the concept that your father gladly wants to give you the kingdom. Our human spirit longs for the kingdom, longs for God. But, 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 but when Jesus walked the earth, his miracles were showing every single one of us that he had power and he had dominion. Demons flee when Jesus came. Sickness had to go. And Jesus, by turning even water into wine, says, I am in control of everything. But we just struggle to believe. Jesus is over sickness. He's over misery. He's over poverty. He's over blindness. He's over demons. He's over the forces of darkness. He's over the wind and the waves. He's over everything. And, and, and the prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus. He said, he is despised and rejected by 
men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We hid our faces from this Jesus because he was despised and not to be esteemed or to be looked upon. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried your sorrows and mine. Yet we esteemed him not. We struck him. But he was also smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And it is by his stripes that we are healed. But we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way and even to the way of CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. We have turned to all our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The Apostle Paul says this, now I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption, nor incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Hear me, church. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The single most transformative thing about an idea is that it makes the grasping of the kingdom of God more about our hearts than it is about our conduct. When you understand that the kingdom of God is more than what you do, it's about who you are and who you belong to, then you start to live a different kind of life. It is the kind of life that doesn't see problems as the end of the world. But sees problems as opportunities to grow and advance the kingdom. When you see your brother hungry and you feed him, you are solving a problem that demonstrates that you understand the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom. Now, as I get ready to close, there's another thing that we are prone to and that is fear. A lot of us believe that God is mad at us, that he's angry with us because we don't go to church as often as we should or we don't pray as much as we should or we don't give as much as we should or we think thoughts and all of these reasons we have that allow us to feel like God really is mad at us. But I want to give you an assurance. God is extremely mad at us to the point where he has every right to destroy us. But Jesus took it. So God became extremely mad at Jesus. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He took it all. So if Jesus died for all of the things that you think is wrong with you, then why are you still worried about whether or not you're accepted by your father? Is Jesus' death in vain? 
Because whosoever call on the name of Jesus, it said you shall be saved. But there is one little thing in the text as I get ready to close that I want to show you. Let me read that 32nd verse again. Little flock, do not be afraid. For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. That's what it says. So as we do in Bible study, what do we always ask? Who is Jesus talking to? And if you want to know, you go back to verse 22. And there is the clue. And he said to his disciples. Do you see that? And he said to his disciples. Jumping back to 32. Little flock, do not be afraid. For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Jesus was not talking to the crowds. He was talking to those who were his disciples. Which means that he was talking to people that believed the precept that God is. That God is king. And that if God is king, then God has a kingdom. And if he promises you the kingdom, then it means that you are kings. See it? Subtle, isn't it? All of my explanation and everything get just to get me to the one point. That this promise of the kingdom is only for those who are his disciples. So the question then becomes, who are you? Who are you? For if you are not sure and you are not one of his, then <laughs> you have every reason to worry about every single thing that he talked about. And I can tell you, my brothers and my sisters, as I stand before you today, I'm not worried about where I should live or where I should sleep, what I should eat or what I should wear. I'm not worried about any of those things. Yes, I want nice things. Yes, I want a comfortable bed. Yes, I don't want mosquitoes biting me all of the time. But my father promises to give me the kingdom. And not only does he promise to give it to me, he promises to give it to me gladly. So the question is this. You are worth more to God than you ever know and can ever imagine. He went to Calvary's cross so that everyone would have the opportunity of their own free will to say, I want to be an heir in your kingdom. But it takes your will. And if you are interested when the time comes for you to stand before your maker, if you are interested in wearing one of those crowns as one of his to be the king in his court, then your free will must and does require that you say yes. For as we learned this morning in our Sunday morning meditation, there are no crown wearers in heaven that were not first cross bearers on earth. So what's your cross? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN, YouTube, and Facebook. Let him deny what you think you know. 
Whatever ideas and precepts and concepts you have accepted that is not of the kingdom of God, then this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to do what? To be crowned and to take what is rightly yours. What is rightly yours? Little flock, do not be afraid, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. May God richly, richly bless you, my beloved.